Hey guys, welcome back to Cedar and Cypress podcast or welcome for the first time if you are new. My name is Allison and I am coming here with a bonus episode during the month of December and honestly it's funny because I should technically be researching and writing and recording the second episode for our Advent series which is going to be on Messianic Prophecies. But God was just like, nope, I want you to do an episode about slow, intentional, and deliberate living. So this is going to be a bonus episode to pair with our Advent series and actually just something that I think God wanted me to share because he's been teaching me so many things about slowing down in my life and being more deliberate with the choices that I make and how I spend my life on a daily basis. And it's not really something that was on my mind very much, but in this season of holidays, you know, the Thanksgiving and Christmas stretch these last, you know, two months of our calendar year, I just feel like we all get so busy. Things, I feel like our schedule can just get out of control. There's Christmas parties and there's work events and there are birthdays. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have so many family members with November birthdays and everything just kind of seems to hit you at once and it can feel really hard to slow down and I think sometimes we get around to January and we just feel like we need a vacation from all of that or that we're we're just winded from you know everything that went on during the holiday season. So before I got too far into the Advent series, I think this is a great time to just stop and have a little bonus episode about how we can slow down spiritually and what that really means for our practical and everyday lives. I don't want this to just be another like, hey, you need to slow down. You should light a candle and you should take a pause from your chores and you should journal it out. While those are all great things, I don't want this episode to just be kind of a surface level, you know, do some self-care, take a bath, you know, say no to things. Although those are actually critical aspects of spiritually slowing down and I'm going to talk about those. That's not the root reason why we need to slow down, especially as Christians. Those things such as taking a bath or going to journal it out and lighting a candle and relaxing, those are ways that we can foster slowing down and deliberate living in our lives. But that's not going to be something that's going to cure the symptoms of stress in your life or dig at the root of problems in your life. What's really important is to understand the spiritual practice of slowing down and why that's critical and how that can be accomplished through doing some of those other surface level advice that we often hear from the world. And I think it's really important to talk about this because our culture just really encourages a fast paced hustle type lifestyle wherein we succeed by working the hardest, by putting in the most hours and becoming the best at any given skill or career field or whatever it may be. Our culture really encourages us that we need to be the best and just put in the hours and be the best that we can. And while it's not wrong to want to succeed in certain areas and accomplish great things, often this really comes at the cost of our mental and emotional well-being. This hustle culture that I think especially American culture has perpetuated, has really driven people to workaholism and just exhaustion and not having any mental or emotional capacity for the other things in your life that are important, like your family, your friends, and your hobbies, other things like that. Work has just become an idol in our culture. I even heard from a pastor who said, those who cannot Sabbath do not trust God. 
which was very convicting for me because I tend to be quite a busy person. I have a lot of plans just because of the nature of my family and friends and their schedules and how those don't coincide with mine so often when I have off days or off time is when my family does get togethers and things like that. But it is really convicting to to realize that those who refuse to rest and refuse to slow down are actually failing to trust God with their circumstances because they don't believe that he's going to handle everything. They think if they take a break from things or they slow down, that things are going to spin out of control. And ultimately what that signals is that they're they're putting their trust in themselves. They're putting their hope in their own accomplishments and their own capacities to make things succeed. And that's constantly seeking control over everything. And this isn't coming from a condemnation perspective because I know that I have a tendency to sometimes be a control freak over things. And I completely understand that feeling that you think something's going to spiral out of control if you're not the person that's taking care of everything. So <clears throat> this is not coming from a condemnation perspective at all, but one that I'm with you there in that conviction. I, I wanted to mention just when it comes to that quote about Sabbath is that if you work on Sundays or your career does not allow you to take Sabbath or rest on actual Sunday dates, that's not the point of this to, to condemn you because you're not taking a Sabbath on the actual Sunday day. Some people just can't set aside Sundays or they're, you know, they're traveling for work or they have very high stress jobs or unusual schedules or night schedules. So, Although it's very convenient for those of us who have nine to five jobs to Sabbath on Sunday because we have church in the morning and sometimes we do get togethers with family or friends later in the day, it's totally okay if Sunday is not the day that you're able to do that. The meaning of Sabbath is to find weekly time and hopefully daily time to sit back, to enjoy life, to relax and rest from work so that your body can physically repair itself, but also that your mind and your heart can repair with that rest and the absence of work for your spiritual and mental state. Slow, intentional, and deliberate are not often words we hear from our culture being encouraged. Slowing down requires self-reflection, which can be extremely scary. I think that sometimes we are nervous to just sit down with our thoughts because we have so much going on. There is so much noise going on in our minds. So slowing down and the absence of noise could just seem very eerie and unusual. We always want something to be going on. And yet God actually encourages us to seek this out pretty frequently. He wants us to confront the thoughts that we have in our mind, whether they are truthful or not, so that he can help us, the Holy Spirit can help us guard our hearts and our minds and work on the patterns of our thought lives. Solitude is something that Jesus sought frequently. We see that he gave us a great example to follow. Mark 135 says, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, meaning Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. Matthew 14, 13 says, He withdrew from there in, the, in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Furthermore, in Luke 6, 12 through 13, the Bible says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples land, to land and chose them from twelve, whom he named apostles. We also see that Jesus prayed before he was crucified. You can find that in Luke 22. We can often pray before we enter into hard conversations or tough circumstances or if we're walking into something we know might be challenging. Prayer is a really critical aspect 
of entering into that in a way that honors God. We see that Jesus gave us a great example of how to do this, and we see that he did frequently. Jesus withdraws from society not because he hates it, not because he shrinks back from it, because that would be a mistake for us to withdraw from society because, you know, we're just sick and tired of people and we want to be over it. But Jesus did this because he wanted to do his work better. He wanted to do it for the glory of his Father, and he had work that he knew needed to be accomplished well. And so we can also do that and see that in our own lives, that when we have things we need to accomplish well, which can include our career, we need to take time to withdraw from society and from others and be alone with God. Jesus seeks the Father's presence before and after he completes work, which includes preaching and healing and all the different things that he did during his ministry, all those different aspects. That's a really valuable example for us that we can emulate in our own lives. We can seek solitude and slowness before and after our job at work, or we can do that before and after social events. And, you know, you can even just do it on the drive over. Those things, inviting God into those moments are a really critical way that we make him part of our daily lives. One other thing that I wanted to add is that being alone does not constitute loneliness. Often, I think our culture tells us that if we're alone, that's not a good thing, that we need to be surrounded by people, we need to have a lot of friends, we have to have these great relationships, and that our relationships need to look fine and dandy all the time, and that's just not true. Being alone with God is actually not being lonely at all. His presence is more overwhelming than any human's presence that I've ever been in. And I'm just, at least I'm speaking for myself. I don't know if I could speak for you, but when I'm alone with God, I am being flooded with emotions and thoughts. And while there is not anything going on physically around me and I can't see anything and my five senses aren't, you know, observing anything and I don't necessarily hear his voice verbally, there is way more going on in my heart and my mind than is going on when I'm with another person or with other people. It's a great way but also a very overwhelming way that you can experience God's presence when you seek him by yourself because that presence and the way he's going to show up for you is all for you, for you and him and your relationship with him. So knowing that just creates a whole nother level of, wow, God is showing up for me in this moment by myself. I'm seeking him and he cares about me and he loves me and wants a relationship with me. So at least for me, when I'm alone with God, it does not feel lonely at all. I actually feel overwhelmed in a great way. Another thing I wanted to mention, I I was just saying earlier that we can invite God into things before and after, whether it's, you know, our job or a social event or what have you, that praying over those little moments, those mundane moments, those bring glory to God. For example, I, when I'm driving on my way to a lunch date with a friend, I pray. Before I go hang out with someone, I pray. Before I go to church, I pray, or before I leave my house, I pray, and that really brings glory to God because you invite him intentionally into your next action or the next thing that you're doing, and then you can also pray on your way back. You know, he's always with you no matter what, so it's not like he wasn't with you if you didn't pray. That's not not it. But if you just stop for a few seconds and you acknowledge the Holy Spirit and you invite him into something, that's a really important moment, and it's a critical step and component of coming to know God personally and experiencing him more deeply in your personal and daily life. I have found that often when I feel far from God, I'm not seeking his presence 
that much. If you feel far from God, chances are that you may not be seeking his presence in the mundane, small parts of life. In our lives, we are called to do everything with a foundation of intentionality and with wisdom, and that comes with slowing down. This means that every choice that we make is deliberate and it has meaning. Doing the laundry has meaning. Going out for coffee with a friend has meaning. Taking a walk has meaning. And conversely, saving laundry for tomorrow or saying no to a coffee date or staying in also has meaning. Every choice that you make is deliberate and intentional and has a reason behind it. This can all be done for the glory of God. But if we make choices out of the desire to be overly busy, like booking in our schedule so full and tight that we don't have room for anything else, or just procrastinating everything and not getting anything accomplished because we're lazy or we're procrastinating, we can get ourselves in trouble with that as well. What I'm really trying to hone in on here is that every single thing that you do should have meaning and reason behind it. Christians are called to an intentional and meaningful life. That means nothing that you do goes unnoticed. God is with you regardless of what's going on. Like I said, when you're doing your laundry, when you're vacuuming, when you're doing the dishes, when you're changing the diaper, when you're making the food, when you are driving kids to school, that is all meaningful. I think that we can really start to feel hopeless and feel like we have nothing to live for when all those little moments become mundane because life can often become pretty repetitive. I mean, we wake up, we have our coffee, we start work and we have the chock full day of tasks and then we make ourselves dinner or order dinner or get the kids in bed if that's part of your schedule and then we just collapse like exhausted and go to sleep and there's so much in between that we fail to integrate God into or invite him into so he's right there standing next to you and he's like I want to be part of that invite me into that I want to make change in your life and be present in those mundane small things that you're doing when all those little things those repetitive things that we do on a daily basis lose meaning or become devoid of their meaning we just don't feel like we have a reason to do any of it and that ultimately leads to despair at least in my life when I fail to recognize God in the small moments it can lead to despair in my life. I love this passage in John 15 from 4 through 11 that says Abide in me and I in you. This is Jesus speaking. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept up my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, there's so much to unpack out of that passage, and I can't go, you know, verse by verse. There's just so much. We would be here for quite a while, but what I want to point out here is this constantly repeated word, abide. Abide means to dwell in or to stay in or to take up residence in, and that means that Jesus is calling you 
to abide in his presence and to dwell in it. And he also says, if you abide in me, then I'll abide in you. So therefore, Jesus also takes up residence in your heart and he abides in you and makes you his dwelling place. We know that our bodies are a temple unto the Lord. We know that Jesus comes to live with us and be present in our lives when we choose to follow him. Furthermore, my favorite thing about this whole passage is the last part where Jesus quite literally gives the whole purpose for what he was saying. He says, I've spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So we don't have, we don't have to wonder at all why Jesus was saying this. Quite literally, he was saying, because I want you to have joy. I want you to have joy and I want that joy to be complete and full and I want you to be lacking in nothing regardless of your circumstances. And as long as you dwell in my presence and abide in me and you follow the things that I have told you to do, you're going to experience that joy. And even further, he says, you can ask anything and he'll give it to you. We're not going to go into the ways that people have abused that verse and used it to propagate prosperity gospel and unholy things. That's that's a whole other episode for another time. But what Jesus is saying, like, I can move mountains in your life. I can change so much of the way that you approach life, the way you approach your relationships, the way you approach all your circumstances. As long as you abide in me, you can ask for anything and I'm going to do it. Jesus taught us how to pray. Jesus taught us what to ask for. He said, ask and you will receive. Seek and knock and it will be given unto you. So we really know that as we seek Jesus, we can find even further satisfaction in him and that our circumstances kind of fade away. And that is all fostered by slowing down, being more intentional with our choices and being more deliberate with how we spend our days. Now, I know that God may have you in a time that where you feel like you are just go, go, going all the time. It feels like all the time. So I totally hear you if you're thinking to yourself, I am just so busy. My life is so busy. If you travel frequently for your job, if you're a parent, of course, or if you're pursuing a degree in higher education, or if you just have a really high stress job or circumstances in your life and there's just a lot of going on, it may seem so impossible at times to seek quiet. There are just, there's so many things that are demanding your attention. The problem is the longer that you ignore the requirement from God to seek silence and solitude with him, the harder it gets to find it. The more and more packed your schedule seems, the less and less time you feel like you will have. And also the harder it becomes to connect to God once you try to return to that place of solitude and quiet. And I totally understand. It feels like you're being pulled in a million different directions. There are so many things that are demanding your attention. Allow me to remind you that the God of the universe demands your attention as well. The one who created you demands your attention. The one who also created everyone in your life who is vying for your attention demands for you to seek him. And he doesn't just want it. He commands it. He commands your awareness of him, your observation of his work in your life. And also he demands your participation in his work and the lives of those around you. And not in a scary or harsh way, although stepping into work, kingdom work and having God in your life can feel very scary and can be very out of your comfort zone at times. I'll give you that. God doesn't call you to this just out of this spiteful feeling that he has. Because I think often we can think, you know, God just wants my attention. That's that's not how it's meant to sound. Like I said, Jesus said that you may have joy, that your life may be joyful and may be full and complete. I don't know what your life looks like right now. I have no idea what people or what circumstances in your life 
are demanding and clawing and fighting for your attention and are trying to distract you from God. But I just want to encourage you that seeking God, if you ask for it, he's going to show up for you. He's going to answer that prayer. And there are pretty practical ways that you can engage with God and slow down. Psalm 4610 gives us a great idea of that. It says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And in the NASB translation, which is frequently cited as the most word-for-word translation, that phrase, be still, is translated into cease striving. So furthermore, it means to stop chasing after other things that are distracting you from God. Be still. Slow down. There are parts of the Bible that we can take literally or figuratively based on the different genre that you are reading and the context of the author and that's a really important way that we respect our biblical authors by entering into their culture and understanding the context in which they're writing. This particular verse, I think we can take literally and figuratively. I submit to you in this case that it is both that we need to be still spiritually, but also to be, be still physically. Literally, I mean to stop moving. <laughs> stop moving your physical body. To sit down in a chair to close your eyes so there aren't things you're looking at that are distracting you. Turn off your phone if you need to. That sounds really scary. That's something that I am not great at doing. But turn off your phone. Make yourself not available to people in your life and make yourself only available to God in that moment. Maybe put on instrumental music. I know that might be some people's thing and other people's thing. For me, I personally love putting on instrumental music because Complete silence can be a little bit eerie, although it's valuable. Or just maybe sit outdoors. I like to do that. There's a park that I really like, and I go sit on the bench out there, and I don't put in AirPods or anything. I just listen to the wind and the birds and the rustling of the leaves, all of that. But what I really mean is stop moving. Actually stop moving for once. Close your eyes and sit down and stop moving. I will say this was pretty hard for me to do for a little while. When I first started trying to do this practice of sitting down and being still, I, th I would say it lasted for about 15 seconds. And those 15 seconds felt like an actual eternity to, to, to literally just physically stop moving and have the absence of any stimulation, whether it's visual or audio coming in because we're just inundated by the internet and by our phones. There's constantly people texting us and videos we can watch on YouTube. And there's just so many things that can distract us. But the more I did this, the easier it became to stay still for longer and to keep my eyes closed for longer and just rest and submit myself to God, whatever, in that moment. And I will say, I mean, sometimes it feels like your mind is just empty and there's nothing going on there, but God is going to show up and he's going to overwhelm you with his presence. One way that you can foster that is to observe God and the things around you. The second part of that verse says, know that I am God. So I would say, seek him in the things that you can see and hear around you. So this helps a lot, like I said, if you go into nature. So when I can hear the birds singing, when I can see the wind cascading on top of the lake, or I can just see the trees visually and look up at the sky and just see how vast it is, things start to pop out at me and God really starts showing himself in those aspects of nature. Now, if you can't go into nature, that is totally okay. I just happen to have a park that's very close by and that's awesome. I would hope that you can have that as well. But if maybe it's just your backyard or your front porch or your favorite spot, whatever that is. But I would really encourage you to go into the outdoors because that is where you can see 
everything that God has made just literally before your eyes and observe him. Look for him and seek for him. It might take a little bit of time to get used to doing that. But once God taught me how to do that, he started showing up in so many different things. Like I said, those he shows up in the trees. He shows up in the birds. And not to say that those things have spirits. That's not what I'm indicating. But God shows himself in what he has created. So if you're seeking for God to reveal himself, nature is a really great way to do that. Furthermore, I would say consume the word of God in more than just one way. You could read it in your head or you can read it aloud to yourself. You can read it multiple times. You can work on memorizing it. You can also meditate on it, whether it's just literally taking out a verse and saying or a phrase and saying, I'm going to meditate on this and keep thinking of this. So you could literally just pull out two words. Be still. If you wanted to meditate on Psalm 4610, be still. And repeat that to yourself over and over again and just stay there. That is totally okay. You can also listen to other people read the the, uh, Word of God with the Bible app. That's something I like to do. I've talked about this in a previous episode. Just consume the Bible in the way that really reaches you and speaks to you. I think that it can be really helpful to read the Word of God aloud because it requires you to verbalize it, which requires you to slow down as well. So that really helps as well. Another way that we can seek God is to seek him in those small, like kind of dead space moments. What I mean by that is those kind of empty moments between things. So as you pour your morning coffee, driving on your commute to work, heading out of your car and walking to the door of the grocery store, when you lay down for bed, when you're brushing your teeth, those those things that we just do kind of mindlessly If you're saying to yourself that you don't have time for God, you do have time for things in your life. You make time for the things that matter to you. Seek him in those things that you're doing. Maybe if it's only 30 seconds, those 30 seconds can become infinitely more valuable if you choose to pray in them or seek God in them or just offer up a quick word of prayer rather than just mindlessly doing whatever task it is. That's one way I've been able to kind of integrate God into my daily life and abide in him rather than just saying, okay, I'm going to set aside 20 minutes for God at 8 p.m. And then the rest of my 24 hours are just not dedicated to him at all. But that's a way that you can really dedicate your whole day to him by just seeking those little pockets of time where you can just be with him. Another thing too is that maybe you just need to designate a space in your home for prayer and time with God. For me, I just have a reading chair that I really love. It's super cozy and it's in my office and I sit there and I read the Bible and I love it. Like I said, I also like to go to the park. So maybe you need to go to your favorite breakfast spot and just sit there and listen and read your Bible, read your Bible. Or maybe you just need to go to your favorite spot. I don't know what it is for you, but the point of this is, again, to customize my, the advice that I'm trying to give you to what works best for you and to seek God in that. Whatever it is, find the thing that you just deeply enjoy, something you really love, and integrate God's presence into that. Invite him into that because he gave you a love for those things for a good reason. And that's another way you can connect with him. God's presence is a blessing in and of itself. I think so many of us feel like we have to polish ourselves up before we approach God. Like, I need to, you know, package everything up emotionally and get right with him. And when I pray, I need to say the right things and I need to phrase it correctly. And, you know, if I journal, it needs to be good. It needs to be poetic. And, you know, that's just not how it is. Your journal can, your prayer journal could be just completely full of grammatical mistakes and spelling mistakes. And God doesn't care. Like God just wants you to bring you. He doesn't care about all those things. I can guarantee you that the God of the universe 
does not care that you're misspelling a word or you're saying something out of order. Like he just wants you to come to him. Approaching God is the most real and the most genuine thing you're going to be doing your entire day. So bring the anger to him. Bring the hurt to him. Bring those yucky, messy, awful feelings to him that you hate feeling. Bring all of that to him. Bring your mess to him. He doesn't just want this clean, perfect, polished version of you that you think you need to bring to other people because God already knows. It's not like you're going to fool him. So you don't need to dress yourself up to approach him. And, and honestly, too, if you if you don't know what to say to God, that's totally okay. Just ask for help. Ask him for help. And I really mean it when I say you can just pray, Jesus, help me. Because we know that Jesus intercedes on our behalf. Hebrews 4 tells us that, actually. It says, since we have such a great high priest who has passed through heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. It can't get any clearer than this. If you don't know what to say and you just need help, ask Jesus to help you because he intercedes on your behalf. The penultimate point is this is all going to require effort. Believe it or not, slowing down is going to require work and effort on your part. And Jesus doesn't, like we've talked about so many times on this podcast, Jesus does not want half-hearted followers. He wants you all in. He doesn't want just part of you. So if you're thinking that you can kind of half-heartedly stumble your way through this, that's just not going to happen. And I would encourage you to consider that attitude of yours that you have because I've been there and I totally understand it, but it's not holy and it's not honoring to God. So there's work that may need to be done. You might need to communicate with your spouse or the people that you live with, which might feel kind of foreign and awkward and say like, there's going to be some time where I'm just not available. Uh, You might need to ask people, is it okay if I I go to the park for like an hour or two, whether that's your spouse, maybe they can watch the kids for a little bit, or you just need a little bit of time or space. Ask for that. If something has to give in your life and you need to say no to social events or veto things, clear your calendar for God, do it. If something has to give in your life for the sake of God, I applaud that choice of yours. I mean, yes, even chores can be something that can be set aside. In Luke 10, we read the story of Mary and Martha, which I love. It says, as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I love this verse because so often it it rightfully convicts me and it kind of puts me in my place in a way that is loving and gentle. And the way that Jesus did it was just saying, Martha, Martha. He started with her name and he said it twice. He said, okay, I see you. I know you. I'm going to call you by name, but I'm still going to correct you in a gentle and loving way. One thing is necessary and it's me presence with me, enjoying time with me, seeking me and all those things. The more that you look for me, the more you're going to see me. Jesus is encouraging you to slow down this holiday season. And listen, I'm saying I'm saying it for myself. Jesus has just recently taught me this. And the reason I'm making this podcast episode is because I'm overflowing with that. And I just, I need to tell someone and I hope that it encourages somebody. I just, I want to get it out there because I don't, 
I don't think it's something that I should keep to myself. These things that, that God has taught me recently. Time with him alone is going to be the most refreshing thing you have ever done. I guarantee you, I promise you 100% or your money back, you're never going to regret spending time with God. Whenever I have spent time with God and just purposely slowed down and chosen to live a little bit slower in a particular day, if I have the margin, I've never regretted it. In this holiday season, if you are finding yourself just completely overwhelmed and there's just so much going on, I just want to encourage you to slow down with and look at maybe to take some time to read the verses that I have pointed out here. I will include them all on the bottom of at the show notes so you can go find them for yourself. But I encourage you to meditate them, meditate on them, maybe read them a few times, maybe listen to them. Maybe you need to read it out loud to yourself 5, 10, 15, 20 times before it sinks in. But just I encourage you to seek that intentional time with God alone because he wants your heart. He wants you to be engaged with him. I, this episode, I, I think, was really critical before we move further in the Advent series because I want you to be able to clear your mind of the noise and the distraction that the world is going to be throwing your way all holiday season and for the rest of your life to encourage you to stop, take a breath, quite literally stop moving and to seek for God, seek God in the mundane things. You, I, I promise you, you will find him. I promise you will. And if you do, I would love to hear about it. Feel free to DM us on Instagram at Cedar and Cypress Pod, or you can email us at Cedar and Cypress Pod at gmail.com. Be sure to uh, tune in for next episode of Advent. I hope you are having a great December so far, and I will see you next time.